0: Well, good morning, everyone. It is so good to be here with you today. My name is Per Nielsen, and I am one of the pastors here at Hosanna. What a joy to be able to worship with you. It is just an absolute joy, and I don't know about you, but but as we were worshiping today, I was just feeling the spirit of joy bubbling up in in people's lives. Anybody experiencing that today as you were worshiping? Yeah, we can go ahead and clap for that. So good to have you here today. Um, We at Hosanna believe That each and every person has a God-given purpose and that God has shaped that purpose and is pointing you in a trajectory for the use of that purpose in your life. Um, One of the ways that we grow in our understanding of purpose is when we step out in faith When we step out in faith in a variety of different areas and one of the ways that we step out in faith is through the letting go of our material possessions, our giving back, our tithes and offerings to the work of the Lord. Um, If you consider Hosanna your church home, I want to invite you to step out in faith, to grow in your purpose and your understanding of who God is. Let's remember that this is not something that God wants from you, this is something that God wants for you. Because each and every time we take a step of faith, we reveal something new about our purpose, about who God has called us to be. Uh, we've made it really easy to give. Uh, you can give by just going on our website, or you can text Hosanna Give to 9400. Um, or if you have offering and you're in person today, uh, you can go ahead and give at one of the offering boxes, collection boxes on your way out. Well, we are continuing uh, the series on purpose by exploring the story of Esther and walking in this remarkable, remarkable gift of understanding who Esther is. Um, Esther is called by God and given a purpose. She is given a very particular purpose. She is set free for a purpose in her life. And I'd like to begin this message by just having us say something together. Uh, You'll find this little phrase on the screen. It simply goes like this. I am the product of great people. Can we all say that together? I am the product of great people. Now, let's put that in a biblical context, if we could. Let's put it in a biblical context. Hebrews 12.1 says that we are surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. Let's say that together. We are surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. One of the truths about our lives as Christians. One of the vitally important truths about our lives is that we, you and me, have been given a purpose by God. And we have been given a purpose by God to bring life, to bring energy, to bring encouragement, to bring God's grace into the lives of people like you and like me. We are a product of good people. Great people. And we, you and I, are surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. Here's another reality. The opposite of that statement, we're the product of great people, is also true. Because we can be the product of immoral people, unkind people, disregarding people. Uh, We can be surrounded by clouds that are wimpy, wishy washy, callous, coarse, derogatory, demeaning. The point is, and you all know this to some degree, people in our lives matter. I mean, they really, really matter. So if you have a Bible with you today, I want to invite you to open up to the book of Esther. Um, the book of Esther in the ninth chapter, verse 29. That's where we're going to begin. And let's remember where we're at in the biblical story. The book of Esther is a book of history in the Old Testament. It is found between Nehemiah and Job. And Esther has a primary purpose. And that primary purpose is to tell the backstory to something that is called the Festival of Purim. The Festival of Purim. Let's just read from Esther nine twenty-nine. Then Queen Esther, the daughter of Abihail, along with Mordecai the Jew, wrote another letter, putting the queen's full authority behind Mordecai's letter to establish the Festival of Purim. Now Purim is a celebration of God redeeming people. It is a celebration of God engaging the world and setting people free, but in a particular context. And the context is a scene of ethnic annihilation that was about to be carried out because of the undermining of a man by the name of Haman. And this ethnic annihilation was to transpire in all 127 provinces that King Xerxes of Persia oversaw. And if it wasn't for a woman by the name of Esther, a brave woman by the name of Esther, that annihilation would have taken place. If it wasn't for Esther living out her calling, living out her purpose, that ethnic cleansing would have happened. Last week, Pastor Ryan launched us into this great series by inviting us to ask a question, to ask ourselves a question It's the question that Mordecai, Esther's uncle, asked her. And he asked her this question as she was facing this very, very difficult decision that pertained to the annihilation of her people in all 127 provinces of King Xerxes. She has an opportunity to change the course of history. And so Mordecai, her uncle, asks this question. Esther 4.14. Who knows... If perhaps you were made queen for such a time as this. Um, just Just a real quick show of hands. How many of you have had for such a time as this moments in your life? Okay, got a few. Here's what I'd like to suggest to you. I'd like to suggest to you that for such a time as this moments fall into two overarching categories. Two ways for us to understand them. The first of those is fairly easy to understand. Fairly straightforward, fairly accommodating. We get it really quickly. The second of those is something we pass by most often. We don't think about it regularly. Let's talk about the first of those. The first of those are those big moments, those big decisions in life, those crisis situations where you have to step in and intervene. We all understand for such a time as this moment through that set of lenses. We get it, it's natural, it's a big deal. There's emotion involved in it. Let me just give you a really quick illustration uh, from my life, Um, it occurred four weeks ago. Four weeks ago, my wife and I, uh, Mary and I, are down visiting our youngest son, Christian, and his wife, Annie, in Nashville. Um, Christian and Annie are both nurses They are uh, traveling nurses, and their first location for their traveling nurse stint is in Nashville. Um, They're working at the county hospital in Nashville. We went down to spend some time with them, and while we were there, we wanted to celebrate their one-year anniversary. So we asked them about going out to dinner one of the evenings, and they said they would love to. And we said, where would you like to go? And they said, well, we have a favorite restaurant. Uh, It's called Jeff Ruby's. And so my wife and I called Jeff Ruby's, and Jeff Ruby's was already packed um, for the time that we were able to go. It was booked all evening, actually. And so we made reservations at a restaurant just right across the street from Jeff Ruby's. Um, But the only time that we could get in was at eight o'clock. Eight o'clock in the evening for dinner. That's pushing close to my bedtime, folks. (laughs) So there we are, eight o'clock, We go into this great steakhouse, sit down, and we have a wonderful meal together, great conversation. It's just a ton of fun. Now it's 10 o'clock at night, and my son, Christian, you gotta remember, he and his wife, Annie, work overnight, so this is like the beginning of the day for them. Christian looks at us and says, hey, you know what? I think we could go over to our favorite restaurant, Jeff Ruby's, and I think they serve dessert and cappuccino until 11, How about some dessert and cappuccino? I got awake really quickly because I love cappuccino, love cappuccino. So we venture over to Jeff Ruby's. It's now about 10.15, and um, we talk to the hostess, and Mary and Annie want to sit outside because it's a beautiful night, and Christian says, nope, we're sitting inside because this is kind of a great Gatsby restaurant. Big chandeliers, a white baby grand piano elevated up behind the bar, a little band playing. I mean, it's just this awesome experience. She says, well, um, you're lucky. We've, we've got one seat left. It was a semicircular seat uh, set between two other semicircular seats, and it faces the band, and it's going to be a great seat for you, but you got to order everything by 11 o'clock, and we're only serving dessert at this point in time. So we sit down, get all settled. The waitress comes by, and, and we order four great desserts and four cappuccinos each. No, not really. <laughs> Though I would have loved to. We're sitting there for a couple of minutes, and all of a sudden there's a ruckus at the table just off to our left. An elderly woman stands up, and she says, help! Call 911. 911. We look a little closer and there's a man with his back facing toward us, slumped over at the table. And another woman patting his back furiously. Annie is sitting on the ed- edge of the curved seat. She jumps out and clears the space by saying, move aside, he's a nurse, she's a nurse. She, like, she says, he's a nurse. My son slides out and looks at the situation, surveys what's taking place, has a very brief conversation. Now the situation is getting dire. The the man's face is starting to turn blue and he's slumped over even further. He looks at the man and and he says, are you choking? And the man just kind of moves his head and Christian reaches in, pulls that man out, sets him on his knee violently tates and thrusts his thumb into his sternum once, twice, three times. Out something comes, and the man reaches down and taps my son's leg. He's okay. Christian moved him back into his seat. We all sat down, and, and honestly, the world looked different. It just simply looked different. The dessert looked different. People looked different. Everything looked different. We understand for such a time as this moment's like that. That's how we connect to the story of Esther. It's a crisis situation, and there has to be an immediate intervention. We understand for such a time as this moment's like that. And as we talked about it, We walked through that whole evening and we believed that God had orchestrated our being there at that moment for such a time as this. But but how about the rest of our life? Because our life isn't built around crisis situations. Our life is built around the regular activity The day-to-day existence, the ups and downs, the waking up in the morning and getting kids ready for school and heading off to work and cleaning houses and paying bills and going on trips, that's how life is. What about all of those moments? What I'd like to suggest to you is this. that God has given you the purpose of being a supervisor for such a time as this. God has given you the purpose of being a parent for such a time as this. God has given you the purpose of being a spouse for such a time as this. God has given you the purpose of being an administrator, a teacher, a CEO for such a time as this. God has given you the purpose of being an accountant, a flower salesman, a carpenter, a plumber for such a time as this. God has given you a purpose for such a time as this. It is so important, friends, that we understand the nature of God's given purpose and the phrase, for such a time as this. See, for such a time as this doesn't exist just in the realm of crisis situations. Such a time as this engages your purpose each and every day. Sometimes it might be crisis situations where purpose and need collide. But most often, such a time as this is found in the day-to-day activity of living a faithful life. That's where it's found. Last week, Pastor Ryan said this. We at Hosanna want to be a church where we uplift a God who everybody comes to understand that wants you, each and every one of you, To be people who are increasingly discovering and fulfilling your God-given purpose through living an up, in, and out way of life. As followers of Jesus, our purpose is always before us. You have been given a God-given purpose no matter where you're at in life, no matter what you're doing in life for such a time as this. And a significant part of shaping that for such a time as this in your life has to do with other people. People who have engaged you, people who have supported you, people who have encouraged you, people who have walked with you along the way, people who have challenged you, people who have led you, people who have followed you. One of the amazing things about the story of Esther is that when you you read it closely, you move beyond this interaction between Esther and Mordecai and Haman, which is where a lot of us can get caught. And what you end up seeing is this, there are five individuals who shape Esther. There are five individuals that are named that come alongside of Esther. Let me just give you their names really quickly. They are Mordecai, Haggai, King Xerxes, Shashgaz, and Hathak. And then there are four groups of people that help to shape who Esther is. We have Esther's attendants, Esther's eunuchs, all of the Jews, and her family, her mom and dad. Even though they are dead, they clearly have worked to shape her life. Let's just for a moment focus on one of those individuals, a gentleman by the name of Mordecai. Again, if you've got your Bible, turn with me to Esther, in the second chapter, verse seven, Esther, in the second chapter, verse seven, we see a part of the tale of how Mordecai helped to shape Esther. Esther two, verse seven. Mordecai had a cousin named Hadassah, whom he had brought up because she had neither father nor mother. This young woman, who was also known as Esther, had a lovely figure and was beautiful. Mordecai had taken her as his own daughter when her father and mother died. What we learn about Mordecai is that Mordecai is committed to walking with Esther in every situation in life. From the time that her mom and dad died until where she is at today, Mordecai is committed to walking with her. Even when she is taken into the palace to be part of the king's harem, Mordecai goes and visits her regularly, in fact, daily at the king's gate, just to check and see how she is doing, just to check and see how life is moving along. Let me just give you a little bit of a a side note here for a moment because one of the things that we have to understand about the person of Esther is that her purpose was shaped through struggle. I mean, it was significantly shaped through struggle. Here is a young woman who was brought into the most powerful man in the country's harem. She has to leave her family behind. She has to violate basic Jewish understanding of purity, purity, and marriage and commitment to the community to be in that position. What we find out is that she is even so close that she is not willing, based on Mordecai's encouragement, to share her identity. She's keeping the secret, she's living the secret in the context of this situation but somehow or another, and this is an important word for some of you who are facing some struggle right now and are wrestling with purpose. Somehow, what was intended for harm, God used for the good. It's a mystery. We don't know how it happens all the time, but you can see that taking place from cover to cover in Scripture. Mordecai, comes alongside of her. And we see this this remarkable passage a little bit later in the second chapter, verse 20, where we get a glimpse of the impact that Mordecai has had on her life. Here's what we read, Esther 2.20. But Esther had kept secret her family background and nationality just as Mordecai had told her to do, for she continued to follow Mordecai's instruction as she had done when he was bringing her up. Mordecai is a significant example of people in Esther's life who are for her, who are for her. So let's just ask a question. Who in our lives is for us? Who in your life is for you? Who has your best interest in mind? Who's willing to walk alongside of you? And give some ground to let you grow and exceed and, success and excel. Who's willing to have those important but hard conversations? Who's willing to love you enough to tell you the truth? Who's willing to pronounce forgiveness or receive forgiveness if you make a mistake? Who are the people in your life who are for you? The reality is that we all need people like that. We all need people who are for us, who are willing to come alongside of us. Our purpose is is shaped and and supported and directed by those individuals that God has sent coming along in our life and engaging us and moving us forward in a productive fashion. Who are the people that are for you? This This is important in a number of different ways and for a number of different reasons. But one of them is something that we see in the story of Esther, and my guess is that all of us have felt it at some point or another in life. It is those times when living out our purpose causes us to feel isolated, causes us to feel alone, causes us to feel like there's there's nobody around. And, And in fact, where are you, God? Many of us have had that experience. Now, this is true if you are in an executive CEO role, role in the top office or if you are a mom and a dad raising kids. It doesn't matter where you are. When you're living your purpose, there are times in life when you just tend to feel isolated, disconnected. We need people. We need those people like Mordecai and the many others who came alongside of Esther in her time of great challenge and isolation just to walk with her and encourage her and speak into her life and guide her and direct her and say that it's going to be okay. We need people who are willing to bring us the truth of a situation so that we can evaluate it properly. We need those people who are for us in our life. Three things that, that I think people um, do when we engage them. I think three areas where God has taken people and placed them in our life to, to help us move forward. The first of those is this. People support your purpose. People support your purpose. People support your purpose. I know there's a lot of folks that I point to in my life who have supported my purpose. I can name them by name. Bob and John and all the folks who sat around those old tables down in the basement of old churches, smoke-filled rooms in the early days of my recovery. My mom, my dad, many, many folks. Who has supported your purpose? Secondly, people shape your purpose. People help to shape, to guide, and direct your purpose. There's There's a great story about a golfer His name is Zach Johnson. Zach won the 2015 British Open, and he was not expected to win. Um, It's the classic European tournament. He had won uh, one major uh, a couple of years prior to, and he was just on his game. Uh, But there's something remarkable that gets exposed in the ESPN interview following his win. He talks about how he made it through and how he got to that point. He talks about in the times where he had difficult shots, and I would guess that pretty much all of them are difficult in that pressure cooker. He took time to recite scripture to bring him calm and to bring him peace. But where he got emotional was this. When he looked at the individual doing the interview and he spoke these words, he said, I'm a product of great people and I am so, so grateful. There he is, emotional, heartfelt, recognizing the godly people who have poured into his life. Who has shaped you? Who has supported you? Who has shaped you? Who has supported you? Finally, people are impacted by your purpose. Um, You see, your purpose runs headlong into, for such a time as this, moments each and every day. The outcome of our purpose is God's kingdom, and God's kingdom consists of God's work, and God's work consists of moving people into his kingdom and growing and developing his kingdom. We are shaped, we are supported, and we have an outcome of people in our walk with the Lord. So, Once again, who are are your people? Who are your people? As I was writing this message, um, the Lord brought to my attention that that there's probably some people here who when they ask that question, say, I I don't know. I don't know who my people are. I'm lonely, I'm isolated, I'm afraid. I feel disconnected. And, And if that's you, I want you to know three things. Number one, Jesus is for you. He is your people. Secondly, this church is for you. We are your people. And third, I'm inviting you, I'm asking you, I'm encouraging you, maybe even challenging you. If you find yourself in that category, Today, take a step to get connected. You can do that in the prayer room. You can do that in that space called the hub out in the atrium. You can do that by getting connected to one of our group environments that I'm gonna talk about in just a bit. If you're lonely, if you're isolated, you're afraid, Jesus is for you and so are we. We've just gotta know where you're at so we can walk the journey with you. I suppose there's also some folks here who are, are looking at, at this talk and they're going, yeah, I don't, I don't really need anybody. Yeah, I follow Jesus, but I don't, I, don't, I don't really need other people around me. So here's my challenge to you. If you're a follower of Jesus and your mindset is, I don't need anybody, I don't need to get connected to other men, to other women, to other groups, to other people, to other environments, to Christian community in a significant way, I want I want to encourage you to just pick up your Bible and read what Jesus says. Because what you're going to find in there is a man who spent some time isolated, but always came back to the community. He spent time away alone with the Father, but always came back to those who loved him. As Christians, we can't live this journey alone. We need other people. We need other people significantly in our lives. One of the ways that we talk about that here at Hosanna is this, that growth, the deepest growth that we have, um, takes place best when we're in circles, not when we're in rows, like in worship, though this is important, or when we're in time alone with the Lord, though that is important as well. But the most significant spiritual growth takes place while we're in circles, Our entire ministry is built around it, kids ministry, youth ministry, care ministry. Uh, Today we're going to spend a little bit of time talking about community groups, which is another circle ministry, a way to come together with other people and live this up in and out way of life that Jesus calls us to live. So we're gonna take just a little bit of a detour at this time, and I'm gonna do a couple of things. Number one, I'm going to uh, do just a really quick interview with a couple of wonderful community group leaders. I am going to have a time where we're going to commission community group leaders here at the Lakeville campus, um, and then we're going to send you out to hopefully get connected, if you're not connected at this point in time. So community group leaders, would you uh, please come up if you are in the room. Community group leaders, yep. Church, would you give them a round of applause? All right, and while these community group leaders are gathering, and just to let you know, we have about 40, 44 here at the Lakeville campus alone. That doesn't even include all of the other campuses. Um, As they're gathering, um, I'm gonna just do a really quick interview so you can get some perspective on what a community group is. So, Allie, let's begin with you. Who are you? How are you connected to this?
1: Hello, everyone, my name is Allie. I've been following Jesus for eight years, and I also work here at Hosanna for the past three years with uh, Global Impact and Alpha. I also help to launch and lead the young adults groups here at Hosanna.
0: Yeah. And how have you seen God work, God move as you uh, oversee those groups of, of young men and women?
1: First of all, we started our young adults groups about three years ago, and we had three people. It was just myself, O'Malley, and Nick, who's also back there. And it has grown from just the three of us to almost 60 people involved with groups Praise right now. Praise the Lord. Amen. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's these are amazing. young adults.
0: These are, the, these are the future of the church and the now of the church.
1: And as, a young, as young adults, we see that people are really taking the time to explore who they are, mm-hmm. what is true about God, what are they called to do. So we've seen God work in such amazing ways in our groups. We've seen people come to know Jesus, people be discipled, even people become leaders. We have one specific individual that was an atheist a few years ago, and through getting connected to our group, he's now following Jesus, discipling his family, sharing the gospel, and he co-leads with Omele, her community group.
0: Amen, well let's hand it off to Omele. Great, yeah, amen. So Omele, why don't you tell us how you're connected here and um, the role that you play in community groups and particularly how you guys live out up in and out.
2: Yeah, um, I'm Omele and I, I've been part of Hosanna for almost um, over six years now. I moved here from Nigeria and I've been coming here with my amazing host family. Um, and I helped launch the Young adults with Ali and Nick uh, about three years ago. Um, I uh, co-lead one of the five smaller groups, and we're currently doing Alpha right now. Um, Different people are at different points of their relationship with Jesus, and so we make sure they're welcome and that we wanna grow with them. Um, We live our UP life through our weekly community um, group meetings um, and we meet on Friday nights and study the word together, pray over each other, uh, and just pray together and then with our in we kind of call it fellowship after fellowship where we um, all the groups meet together and we um, just worship together and game nights bonfires and it's so cool to just see how we're so um, we're very intentional about reaching out to each other and uh, grabbing coffee and just hearing our stories and encouraging each other And for Out, we do um, a monthly fun event, uh, and this is when we want to invite everyone, um, even if you're not a Christian, um, it's our opportunity to show people about, you know, the love of Christ, um, but also to not overwhelm them about Jesus' stuff until um, they're ready or comfortable or hungry for more.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Fantastic. Yeah, praise God. And how, how have you seen life transformation in that group, Omele?
2: Uh, it's been super amazing, and I speak for the rest of the team, uh, team, too, to just see everyone grow together. We've seen people giving their lives to Christ, people re- rededicating their lives to Christ, people being baptized, and just growing up together in, in, in our spiritual lives and also keeping each other accountable, too, to, to live lives that's very honorable to God.
0: Yeah, amen. Praise God. Ellie, uh, closing comment for all of these wonderful people who are here. What would you love to leave them with?
1: Yeah, I think joining a community group is not only an obedience thing, but it's also so fun. Like, we get to do ministry together as friends. And I firmly believe that the direction that community groups are going at Hosanna, just living on mission together, we can really see our community transformed by the gospel and people come to know Jesus. So it's pretty exciting.
0: Amen. Praise God. Great. Can you give these guys a round of applause? And now, church, um, these are our community group leaders. And uh, some of them, there are a few who couldn't make it today. But I would love for us just to take a time of prayer and blessing for them. So, church, if you're willing, would you just extend a hand? And, Father, we ask uh, for your grace and your mercy to be upon these men and women who have been called to serve you through the ministry of community groups, guiding people and living up in and out way of life, discipling them and encouraging them. We ask for your Holy Spirit, God, to give them wisdom and encouragement and strength. We ask, Lord God, for their groups to be open to others who they are connected to, people who don't know you. And we pray, Heavenly Father, that each and every time they meet and far beyond, that your kingdom would show up in remarkable ways, encouraging and equipping them and the members of their group to live for your purpose in their lives. And we pray it all in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior, and our church said, amen. Amen. Can we praise God again for these leaders? You guys can head out to your table. So they're going to all head out, uh, there are about 15 groups that are going to be heading out to their tables because they've got some availability. Um, right now we have about uh, 190 spaces left for people to engage community groups and, uh, and if there's a type of group that, or you don't see the type of group that you would like to get connected to but you'd like to be involved, uh, just talk with somebody out there about getting trained up and leading a community group of your own. We would love to have you do that because here's the deal. Whether it's Esther or the disciples of Jesus, Christians throughout the age, or you or me, we need people that God has put in our life to shape our purpose and support our purpose and to help us carry out our purpose. Would you pray with me, please? Father, thanks for your blessing. We ask God that every one of us would find that place to sit in a circle with someone, share life. We pray, Heavenly Father, that your grace would be poured out on every person here. And we ask, Lord God, that, that as we continue to move forward in this journey of faith together, uh, that your purpose would become more apparent to each and every one of us as we take those steps of faith into the things that for some of us are unknown. So bless everyone who is here today, Lord. Uh, Keep them in your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. If something in today's message touched your heart, uh, we would love to have you spend some time with our prayer ministry team. You can find them immediately over to my left-hand side, your right-hand side. They would love to pray with you. Uh, Next week, we're going to be concluding this series, and after we're done here with worship, do head on outside and uh, take some time to, to spend with the folks out there. If you need to pick up kids, go ahead and pick up kids first, and then come out and check out the community groups that are available. Would you please stand with me? Now, dear friends, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine on you, and may he be gracious to you. May he look upon you with amazing favor, and may he give you great peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Go in peace, serve the Lord. We'll see you next week. Get
1: connected to a community group.